Welcome to the Pink Tax Podcast, a no-nonsense podcast for millennial women, building wealth and smashing the patriarchy, one dollar at a time, with your hosts, Janine and Tara. Pretty good. I've been thinking about our episode on home ownership a little bit. Yeah, what have you been thinking? Well, I think we came at it from the perspective of those who want to buy a home, and we didn't really touch on um, sort of the systemic issues holding people back from buying homes, or um, maybe a little shout out to women who are all on their own buying homes because we both bought homes with partners. Absolutely. Those are some really good points. And I think we should probably dive into affordability first because that's something Mm -hmm. that is really challenging for people that do want to own a home. Yeah. So we can kind of work backwards. I think most people, they don't go from living with their parents or living rent-free, however that might look like, to uh, buying a house right away. I think that's a pretty privileged set that get to avoid the rental market altogether. Yeah, most people would move out on their own when they're in their probably early 20s if they went to university or maybe right at 18 as well. And they would be responsible for their costs associated with living. And usually you don't have enough saved up to put down at least 5% on a home in, I guess, a big urban center. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or even what I wouldn't consider like a big urban center. So Charlottetown's been in the news lately um, with their affordability crisis in terms of the rental market. So there was some recent news articles there. There's a lot of short-term rentals coming up, a lot of people using Airbnb, nothing wrong with Airbnb, except it's increased the problem with regard to vacancies in the rental market. And it's pushed out long-term tenants or longer-term tenants. Yeah, I remember I was in Toronto for work a couple years ago, and I think they saw the same thing where you could either rent your condo for $3,000 a month because Toronto's nuts, or you could Airbnb it and you could probably make up to $9,000 a month. So I can totally see why people would want to go down that path of short-term rentals, but yeah, then the vacancy rate goes way, way down. And, you know, when I moved down here in 2014 in Calgary, the vacancy rate was similar to that. And it was so stressful for us Mm -hmm. trying to find a place to live. Yeah, I remember right before we moved to Calgary, people were telling us, you know, when you're looking for a rental, um, if only one of you is available or the pictures look nice, just sign the documents. Um, Which is crazy. mm -hmm. I think we were outbid I don't want to say outbid but people would show up with like six months of rent in cash Mm -hmm. and we would lose to those people because we didn't have that kind of money back then I mean we were looking at paying about two grand to live a month in a place and so multiply that by six we didn't have 12 grand sitting around in cash exactly and if you did wouldn't you have wanted to maybe spend it on a down payment or invest it too totally 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 not spend it on a rental for sure and then uh some other things that we uh, or that i noticed in the news lately was that some people are spending 40 50 60 percent of their income on rent 
That's nuts. And I think that speaks to a couple of things that we want to touch on. First, obviously, how freaking expensive renting can be in major urban cities, but also how little you know, us as millennials are making. I was just on a website that you and I were talking about before we uh, recorded this episode, Generation Squeeze, which is a really interesting website and they are focusing on the affordability of, you know, first-time homebuyers. And they had a statistic that said earnings are down actually for the group of 25 to 34 from a generation ago. So right now we're sitting at about $49,000 Versus it was $55,000 a generation ago. So we're making less money. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that we'd be spending, you know, a crazy amount of our income on home ownership or rental fees. and. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not like back in the day, too, when um, my parents and grandparents bought their houses and they were able to rent it out for a reasonable price. Now, if we wanted to rent out our house if we want to make any more money over and above what we're paying in our mortgage, we're passing that on to the renter, right? Even if you don't want to include things like um, maintenance costs or anything like that when you're looking at renting out your home. If you're paying $600,000 for a, a house, you have to think that the person renting that house from you is going to be paying more than that. Yeah, it's... It's crazy when you look at the lack of affordability. Again, mostly talking about big urban centers, Calgary being expensive. I think Edmonton's less expensive. I'm not sure on like Regina, Saskatoon, Winnipeg, but I know Toronto and uh, Vancouver are obviously just Mm -hmm. nutty for renting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We looked in Vancouver, did not go to Vancouver. We've bought in Edmonton. (laughs) Yeah. 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 We've bought in Edmonton and Calgary. Edmonton seemed a little bit more affordable. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Mm -hmm. And then something else that was on the uh, Gen Squeeze site there was that even with the lower interest rates that we're paying now, we're still paying more at the end of the day for our mortgages. That's how much the cost of buying a house, the cost of a house has increased over the past generation that my parents were paying, you know, 15% in interest. We're paying two on a hundred thousand dollars though yeah exactly so at the end of the day they were still paying less their mortgage was still less than what our payments are it's you know i never thought about that because you know 15 percent is about 15 grand if my math serves me correctly but Mm -hmm. if you have a five hundred thousand dollar mortgage you're paying two percent that's like ten thousand dollars and i mean two percent is pretty low i would say Mm -hmm. it's probably most people are paying what 3.5 ish these days yeah yeah well i mean prime so has gone up since we signed that's seventeen thousand dollars a year so you're actually paying more in interest with a five hundred thousand dollar mortgage at three and a half percent than you would on a one hundred thousand dollar mortgage at fifteen percent which is just nutty mm-hmm. to think about yeah yeah it is so one of the good things uh, I did see this week is that single women are up and coming as the next wave of homeowners in the Canadian market. That's awesome. And I think we maybe mentioned this, but I know single women are also coming into a lot of wealth as well for investing. So it makes sense that they would be kind of the next group of people to utilize that money to purchase homes and I think we're finally seeing and this makes me so happy to say that you don't need a significant other to you know live a fulfilled life 
to have a good career, to raise children, and to buy a house. I think that's such a patriarchal view that you need a man to buy a house or a partner even. And I mean, traditionally, I think it has been men. And when we look at our society, I think, you know, I went to an interesting talk with Dr. Jennifer Gunter a couple weeks ago, and she really talked about the systemic issues around the patriarchy and really just kind of suffocating women to believe that they need a partner or a man Mm -hmm. to be able to do these things and we don't we can totally buy houses on our own I know you and I both bought houses with our husbands but I think like if I wasn't married to my husband like there's no reason I wouldn't go after home ownership as a single empowered female. Yeah, well, I was thinking about this this week too, the whole uh, feminists as single cat ladies. My dream was to become a single cat lady with my condo. You know, I wanted to own my own place, like a little bachelor apartment, never thought I would need anything more than that. And I had my cat before I met my husband, so he was non-negotiable, my cat, not my husband. I would, I would want... a. <laughs> I'd be a crazy dog lady. I'd have like 30 puppies. Yeah, and I, I love that. I would wear, and I do wear, the crazy cat lady sort of analogy with pride. What a shitty like thing to make women feel bad, though. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, if you're single and you have cats, that's bad. But I, again, I think finally women are fighting back and being like, you know what? Fuck you. Mm-hmm. This is definitely an explicit episode, apparently. <laughs> um, but we don't need you know, someone to tell us, oh, you're a crazy cat lady. Oh, and like, you don't know how to cook. Like, I don't know which is worse, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think one of the reasons why we're seeing more single women with home ownership, like it wasn't that long ago where you couldn't actually have credit. You couldn't buy a house if you were a single lady. You had had to have a dude sign with you. You had to have a dude help you to purchase that, even if it were your own money. It's insane. You needed a guy to sign off on your bank account to be able to take out money. Well, because you were just property, right? What what value do women add to society? Come on. Yeah. This is a win. This is a win for single ladies. (laughs) We're going to try to focus on that. Yeah, and I think it speaks to, you know, especially at the, the upper end of the group, the ladies who are earning more, the higher income earners, the wage gap is slowly, slowly closing there. And now we can really see it in, in the way that women are, are spending their money. Another thing that I read is that women are, you know, statistically better at repaying their mortgage loans than men are and have better credit scores than men do. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, that's something that we should be focusing on more. And, you know, men should need women to sign mortgages. I mean, that's obviously a joke. You should be able to buy a home if you want to as a single person regardless. But I think this notion that women, you know, can't or aren't responsible with their money is, like, clearly proving to be false. Oh, yeah, definitely. I don't think you can really take a any section of humanity and say, like, this particular group is going to be bad at this, that, or the other. Uh, Anytime people look at that, it's just not not a real thing. Something that was interesting and in noting in one of the articles that we're going to post on Twitter is that they, uh, somebody in the States studied this, and even though in the States it's the same thing, single women are buying more houses, have better credit, all those kind of things on average, they're paying more for a mortgage than men do. Yeah, that's, when you told me that, that I was blown away, that's, absolutely crazy but I think if we break it down it really comes down to women having lower income so they're not able to qualify for as much 
of a home or for a lower percent. Maybe they don't have as much savings because they're making less, so their down payment is smaller. So I think there's a lot of things that are important to realize that come from the the wage gap. And mm-hmm. in a sense, it's, it's a pink tax for housing on mm-hmm. women. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd like to see the intersection of that too. So there's no Canadian data for it. So we can't even speak to what this looks like in Canada, but we can't speak to what that looks like for, you know, women that aren't white, cis, hetero ladies. Cause a lot of this, a lot of high income earners are going to be white, cis, hetero ladies. There's a lot of invisible statistics like there's a lot of stuff that's not even being captured by this um so i want to know are marginalized women you know or excessively marginalized women further marginalized women anyone who has like this sort of double triple marginalization of being you know not white or um not hetero or not cisgendered how is that looking for them like how much more are they paying for this because of all the additional barriers that they face And I think you touched on something really interesting there. I know in the U.S. there was some research done around predominantly black communities paying more for mortgages, paying more in terms of interest rates because, well, I'm sure it was probably because of the color of their skin, but also I'm sure, you know, credit scores came into that as well. When you filled out your application, you actually like checked a box on your race, which is super weird. I've never had to do that in Canada. I don't know if it's a thing here. But you actually like checked a box, like whether you were like black, Hispanic, white, or whatever. We'll link to a Trevor Noah skit, if I find it, of when he immigrated to the States and was like, what is this nonsense? That's something, I'm sure this is showing my white privilege, but that's something I never thought of, you know, affecting your finances. So that is maybe something to watch out for. Again, I haven't come across it in Canada, but I've also never looked for it. If you are applying for some sort of credit facility or a mortgage or whatever, Maybe don't check that box. Yeah, well, and there's the thing. They were like, this is in no way going to affect your application. And then a little while later, it came out that it was most definitely affecting their application, regardless of credit score and finances. Jeez. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crazy, Love crazy the patriarchy, days. the white patriarchy. Yeah, well, white, white supremacy, right? It's just shitty all around. Yeah. I think we can probably wrap it up there. We'd love to hear your feedback on home ownership. We'd like to know, were you a single lady that bought your house by yourself? Because we don't have that perspective. We'd love to know more. Are you, um, you know, feeling sort of that uh, double or triple hit of marginalization? How is that holding you back? Are you struggling to save up for a house? Are you one of the people that spend 40, 50, 60% of your income on rent right now? We'd love to hear your stories on that. Absolutely. And if you are in any of those groups that Tara just mentioned, definitely feel free to reach out to us on you know Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or you can always email us at pinktaxshow at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. As always, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and leave a five-star review. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to share your money story using the hashtag femfinances.